Hey there, podcast listeners. Welcome to Talking Wealth, the show where the wealth within team are on hand to teach you how to become a more confident, competent, and more importantly, profitable trader or investor. Wealth Within was voted number three for stock market podcast globally in 2018, so I hope you enjoy listening. This episode is a recording of our live YouTube weekly stock market show. Every Tuesday night, Dale and Janine stream live on YouTube from 7 to 8pm to answer your most burning questions, as well as analyse stock for our viewers. To watch the show, head over to wealthwithin.com.au and click on the Stock Market Show under the Learning Centre. As a global leader in stock market education, you can fast track your journey towards financial freedom by studying with Wealth Within. Please note that the information in this podcast should not be considered personal financial advice. Good evening and welcome to Wealth Within Live, the Australian stock market show where you ask the questions and we give you the answers about all things investing and trading. While this is a stock market show and not a footy show, it would probably be remiss of me not to mention the big game is back. Makes you feel all warm and fuzzy, doesn't it? The director shaking his head, mouthing no. I suppose it depends on what state you live in, whether or not you think AFL is the real deal. Now, I don't want to get into a debate about which game is the best, so don't ask me what my favourite team is. But I have to admit, I too felt the excitement when the AFL started again. I felt really patriotic, actually. What a triumph for us against the coronavirus for the game to return. Did you get your footy fix? That's what I'm wondering out there, so let me know. Um, Now, I'm not a diehard supporter. I do like watching the game occasionally, and going to a live game is great. I went to a game some years back, and my husband's team were playing. I laid back across his lap reading the financial review, while occasionally glancing across at the game. Now, that's how to watch footy, I thought. Sport and the stock market all in one. But this was to be my downfall, literally speaking, because... Matty Lloyd kicked a goal and I didn't see it coming. It's not what you think. The ball didn't even come near me, though that would have been great to see on the evening news. But what the news did show, believe it or not, that night was my husband jumping up in a pose like they do in the Toyota ad. I'm stretched and I was nowhere to be seen. And yes, you guessed right. That was my one and only experience lying face down in the aisle at the footy. All right, enough talk about the footy. Are you ready for what I know will be another great stock market show tonight? Tonight, as always, we'll shed some light on the current market as we aim to inform and educate you on the realities of investing and trading. Our topic for tonight is how long will the US and Australian market continue to move together? We'll look at what's currently happening on the Australian stock market, give you our thoughts, answer your most burning questions, look at the stocks that you're interested in and give you our expert opinion and a whole lot more. Remember that we, Wealth Within, are Australia's most trusted stock market educators. Hello, I'm Janine Cox and unfortunately, I don't have Dale with me tonight. Um, He couldn't be here in person tonight and I am missing you, Dale, out there if you're watching. I'm sure other people are too. Just wanted you to see um, that he is here in spirit, though this is a quietest Dale you'll ever see sitting right next to me there. The good news is that he's returning next week. So Dale, if you're watching, enjoy the remaining break that you have left. Hi everyone, I hope you're having a good week. If you have a burning question for us, open up your email now and get typing. Grab your phone 
record a 30 second video. I'm looking forward to seeing your faces and email it to wealthwithin.com.au. And as always, keep your comments constructive so that we can assist as many people as possible with genuine questions. If tonight is your first time watching, then may I say a big hi to you and welcome. It's exciting to see you out there and to have you joining us tonight. We hope you enjoy the show. Moving on, it is the fourth Tuesday in the month and it could be not more timely as we take a look at world currencies. So let's get into the charts and discuss our thoughts right now. Now on the screen there, you can see that I've got the leaderboard there with, guess what, the Australian dollar at the top of the list. The Aussie dollar finally is marching ahead of the rest, 3.63%, but only just ahead of the Australian versus the Hong Kong dollar, 3.6%, or 5.8. Um, Australian dollar versus the Japanese yen just behind 2.74%. I'm going to jump to the bottom of the board. We've got the Australian versus the New Zealand dollar minus 0.6. And we can see there the Australian dollar versus the euro. Um, interesting there to see it 2%, 2.18%. Now, what is, what is really fascinating at the moment is seeing the, the currencies move relative to the US dollar. And there is a lot of talk about whether the US currency is going to or we, whether we're going to see a US currency crash. Now, if that happens, typically our currency would leap ahead, and this could create all sorts of uh, potential issues for us down the track. So that's going to be interesting to see um, if we um, do experience some sort of huge volatility on our currency, even more than what we've just seen. So we've seen the huge dip with the coronavirus in our dollar and then a rebound, literally wiping out pretty much what it had lost. So I thought I would quickly go back to the charts and show you the Australian versus the US dollar. You can see I've got it there on the screen. So this is the dip that happened in February, March. So we saw, and I'll just bring up the monthly chart so you can see that the bigger picture perspective and see how our currencies been in decline for a long time now relative to the US dollar. So it's um, fallen below. We saw it um, track down below 56 cents, which um, I had thought is would be close to the bottom. And, and it did actually get to 55 cents before rebounding. Now, a couple of months ago, it actually pulled up strongly. We saw this reversal occur. So you can see in April, there was this reversal now, when a stock reverses like that, often it signifies a bottom. You, you often see a bit of a flush out. And same with currencies, the market. It doesn't matter what you want to trade. I'm just going back over the history of the dollar to show you a little bit more. But it really doesn't matter what you're wanting to trade. A chart is a chart. If you, if you can um, create a chart of something and you have price history, you can determine what's likely to occur in future. So at the moment, we're seeing a bottom. Now, questioning whether it's a, a short-term bottom or whether this is the low, but there's a reasonable probability we could be seeing the low coming in, or well, this could be confirming the low, particularly as it's taken out that higher peak there, uh, the lower peak there. Sorry, it was a lower peak, but looks like it's going to be a higher peak soon with the dollar having taken that out. So the high this month is actually 70.65 cents, and the high for January was actually 70.43. So actually back well above where we were at the start of the year or pretty close to where we were which is good news for our currency anyway but you know if, obviously if you're wanting to travel overseas it's a bit of a question as to whether it's safe to do so right now um, we did see a footballer come back from overseas recently and he after the two-week period he was 
tested is all clear and now four weeks down the track he's been um, diagnosed or tested with the coronavirus so that's quite concerning and putting a lot of question marks out there so hopefully he's okay and and hopefully the, the next follow-up tests come out clear because there have been people who have been diagnosed with it and then only to see things turn around. So that's the Aussie US dollar. I thought I'd just quickly jump back and show you the Australian dollar versus the, the British pound sterling. And notice how it's actually rocketed ahead. Um, and you can see some real strength in the buying there of the Aussie dollar versus the British pound as well. So that's good for our currency, seeing that move back up like that. Um, nice and strong there. So when the currency is going up, um, if you're wanting to trade these sorts of moves, just remember that currencies can be much higher risk depending on how you're actually getting access to trading them. So do your research there. Now, look, um, I think that's enough on the currencies right now. We've just covered off that. It's time to get into your videos and emails, the more important um, events for the night. It's always a challenge to see how many we can get through. And we want to thank you for your questions. And remember, the more detail that you provide, the more likely a question is to be responded to on the show. So if you can please keep it to a couple of paragraphs and share why you want us to discuss your question, as this will increase your chances of having your question selected. Also, if you want your question to have the highest priority, then you know what to do. Email in your 30 second video. Now, I had a chat with someone this week who said they could only get it down to a minute. And, and I don't mind if you if you send in your video and it is a minute, you know, I will forgive you. So do so um, as soon as you can. So if you have a question or you'd like us to look at a stock for you, simply send in your email or video to info at wealthwithin.com.au. Do so before 3pm on Tuesdays, otherwise you make it a bit hard for us to get it all together. And if you send it through tonight, you increase your chances of having your question answered on the show next week. So come on, ladies and gentlemen, send in those video questions. This is your opportunity. Now, our first question tonight is from Tech. Now, Tech, I have to apologise to you because last week we didn't get to your question. We ran out of time and I was wrapped over the knuckles and um, had to finish the show abruptly. So, I, But I have shortened your question, so just be mindful of that. Um, hi, Dale and team. Thanks for the great educational videos that you've been running for many years. I'm one of your previous students. I'm a big fan of your work. And you said fun, but that's okay. I'll, I'll forgive you. Australia is now in technical recession. In periods like this, government spending will increase, particularly in infrastructure. SIM, one of the biggest infrastructure companies, the majority shareholder is a European company who holds around 75%. SIM is buying back around 10% of its own shares on the market. So um, a Spanish company um, are a big holder in the, this stock. So please give me your technical view for SIM, short to medium term. The stock won't last long on the ASX due to the majority shareholder getting closer to compulsory takeover. Do you believe the current price action will retest the recent highs of $50 before the company is taken over? Now you're saying from $50, there's 100% return in there for you. Thanks again for your time. Um, regards tech? That's a really good question. So I thought, um, look, while we um, talk about this, takeovers are really interesting. What um, can be disappointing is if you've had a stock for some time, you've been watching it, you've bought into it, and then a company takes over. Now, initially, if your stock has been dropping and it hasn't come back to your buy price yet, you, the, the takeover may take the price back up to where you bought it, and that's all fine and well. But what can be disappointing is to see the charts of a stock and, and have a view on it, bigger picture, and realise that 
it could it has so much more potential than what the the price is that's being offered so that's always disappointing to see companies being taken over especially big companies like this um, so I guess the Foreign Investment Review Board are not necessarily tracking everything as they potentially could. But looking at Sim, Simic Group, um, look, I would say there's a potential for it to fall in the short term. We could see it come back to around $23 over the next couple of weeks. It's really going to struggle to push higher and to see interest driving the share price given what's going on. Um, if it falls back below this low here of $21.35, then it could continue to just trundle down even lower. But I wouldn't expect too much activity in the share price at the moment. And I would say that if you know that there's a corporate action and always do your research before you buy into a company, just check what's happening in the news. Um, and then I'd say just steer clear. There are better opportunities out there. So now our second email tonight is from uh, David. Hi, David. He says, hello, may I have your technical opinion on Willana Mining Corporation Limited? Thank you, David. Yes, that's a really interesting stock. Um, it's, a, it's a lower liquidity stock. As you can see on the chart there, it's been in decline for a long time. Remember, I've said to you on previous shows that never think that a stock can't go lower because it always can. And this one has shown that this is the case because we've seen this stock continue to make lower lows. I mean, the all-time low at one stage was back in December 2014. It broke this low in January 2018, traded up. So there would have been a lot of you know, short-term speculation going on here, only to see it decline further. And I can guarantee you that there would have been some articles or news or something written in that um, ends up sucking in poor um, people who are not educated or knowing what um, to, or to look at the chart for in information. So the chart's telling you where the money's going and that's the really important thing here. But more recently, we've seen a bit of support in the stock and I'm just going to move to the weekly chart given it's a bit hard to see what's going on. You can see how li illiquid the share is just by that picket fence uh, theory that we talked about before where the stock trades within the same range of the previous bar. So for example, with this bar here, 4th of October 2019, you can see the bar followings trading within that range and it continues to do so. If you compare this to what a weekly chart of BHP like, looks like, it's chalk and cheese, obviously because of the size of the company, but that's what liquidity is all about. So at the moment, this week, the stock's actually moving up. So it'll be interesting to see if it can close high. It may just fill the gap and then soften off. But for me, look, I wouldn't even look at this particular stock. It's too illiquid. But there is a potential short term for it to try to push back above $2 if it keeps moving up strongly towards the end of the week. It needs to get back above about $1.70 um, for that to happen and close strongly on Friday. So if that doesn't happen, there's always a risk of the downside. And, and look at what had happened in May. I don't know whether some news had come out or whether a trader's made a mistake or what's happened, but this one bar here, really unusual to see it go down. Question is, is that a precursor for further falls to come? If the stock trades below this week's bar into next week or following, the risk is it could continue lower towards, um, you know, down lower bit towards almost zero. I'm not sure what price it actually got to, but this is really odd. So look, that's um, Willana Mining Corporation there. Now, the next uh, question that I have tonight is from Joshua. 
G'day Dale and Janine. Having read both books now, and that's um, Dale's books that he's referring to, How to Beat the Managed Funds and Accelerate Your Wealth, Your Money, Your Choice, I've changed how I was looking at things certainly and I'm glad to have rules to follow. Thank you for that. The percentage of, of trade and total holding rules to control loss makes me feel much better about trading. Rather than just guessing a reasonable amount as a stop loss and your advice to stick to the 2050 until I've got some time in the game makes a lot of sense to me. So he's really talking about getting some understanding of the market and learning some techniques and, and rules. Thank you. I've been looking at the top 20 with your rules in mind and haven't seen much that complies. And so I've pushed it a bit wider. So trend lines, as we've said on previous shows, uh, won't fit a lot of stocks at the moment and that could be for good reason. And so I've pushed it a bit wider to the top 50 and I think that the first stock I've seen that does is AMP who is looking to be reversing along a mostly downtrend, has closed above a downtrend for two months and is looking like it will start trending up. Can you tell me whether you agree with that assessment? I was looking to buy in the second half of this week. Um, I'm a pro trader. <laughs> Just would love your love a second opinion Joshua. So thank you for that Joshua. We'll just have a quick look at AMP. Now you can see there over the long term the actual angle of the long term trend and this is um, coming all the way from this top here if we were to draw a line all the way down you can see there it's miles from the angle of the longer term trend. It doesn't necessarily mean that a stock will rise up to meet the angle of that trend because when the stocks have been accelerating and moving lower they can always go lower as I said before. However in looking at the way that AMP is traveling look it's it's not possible at the, this point given the move down that sharp move down to get a trend line confirmed down here. So you really need to understand the rules and how to apply trend lines and it's not um, I know, look, Dale's book tells you a lot about it and it's really good to get an introduction to how to do this from the book. But if you really are determined and you want to learn how to apply technical analysis and do it properly, then you really need to ask the education consultants at Wealth Within for some more information about studying one of our courses. So at the moment, AMP is looking good though. It's moving up. Um, there is a, actually a rule. There would have been a rule to get in there right near the bottom, but still high risk on this type of stock given where it's coming off. It could just as easily go up for a couple of months and then come back down. So that's the risk with AMP at the moment. But if you're in it, you wouldn't be selling it right now because it is moving up, but you'd be just looking for a good trailing stop loss to allow you to stay in it. There's short-term resistance around $2.220. So that's uh, the end of that discussion on AMP. Now, before we get into the topic tonight, I've got a question from Harry who says, Hi, Janine. Hope you're enjoying being in power. He's got a smiley face there um, regard and wants, has a question regarding LVH, who he bought the stock at um, eight cents and he said it's been very volatile. Recently, it's looking good. I'm happy to hold this one for a while. It's only 2% of my portfolio. What are your thoughts on LVH? Happy Tuesday, warm regards, Harry. Thank you, Harry, for the lovely email. And I'm just looking here at LVH. Now, the challenge with LVH, you should never just sit there thinking, I'm happy to hold. It all depends on the risk that you're taking, where you've set your stop loss, and how you're choosing to exit the stock if it is in profit. Okay, so that's the important thing. And right, right now, a couple of weeks ago, it actually was sold off. So I'm, I'm just going to show you the longer term direction. You can see there that overall the stock is down. And again, this is a stock that's made a lower low. So the risk is still to the downside with this share. 
Now, looking at the weekly chart, more shorter term, you can see there is a bit of a consolidation that's happening here. If this stock is able to break through that high of 28 and a half cents, it could do really well. We could see it head closer to 60 cents. Now, that's the challenge for it at the moment. However, let's just have a quick look on the daily chart and see what's unfolding. It looks untidy on the daily chart at the moment. Short term, it needs to get back above this high of 24 cents. Problem is if it falls and it's getting closer to it, if it falls below this low of 18 cents, there's a real risk it could continue to trade down lower. And that's the, the challenge for anyone who's holding these types of shares and to be able to get out of it because, you know, it is it is a little bit illiquid looking at it. The, the volume is about here, we can see about 1.8 million and then we're talking about a share that's only 20 or 30 cents. So not a lot of um, skin in the game there. So just be mindful of that. Um, Harry, I'd say it's not a stock for beginners. So this is one of the important things. You're better off to trade bigger liquid stocks that you can get in and out of easily. And it's a, if you're going to be in it, then you really know, need to know some rules to get out of it. It looks like a trend line could work on this share, but you'd have to test the history of it. And there's not a lot of history either. So, you know, it's important to have a minimum of three years, but then you wouldn't have many trend line trades. So how, you know, statistically, how relevant would that be? And that's the problem here with a stock like this with no history that is a bit on the illiquid side. It's got a combination of a few things that are working against it. So look, thanks, Harry, for your um, email, and I hope that helps. Um, look, now it's time that we get into the topic and how long will the US and Australian stock market continue to move together? Research indicates that markets move in cycles from low to high to low, and typically the Australian market will lead the US market for a term before the US market takes the lead. So tonight I want to have a look at the history of the US and Australian stock markets with you. Also how these markets are moving together right now and what will be really interesting is when these markets eventually decouple. Now to find out when this is likely to occur we've got to really understand what's happening in the US, where Americans are putting their money and what's hot and what's not. We'll be speaking with Manny Alejandro again this week, who's a New York-based financial market expert, to gain a real insight into where the money is flowing in the US, and I'll explain why this is important after the video. Manny Alejandro specialises in compliance, regulation and gov governance. Manny's an expert in the blockchain space, focusing on the trading of digital assets and cryptocurrency. He brings comprehensive capital markets knowledge gained through diverse leadership roles in alternative asset management, banking, consulting, and trading technology. Phew, I'm just about running out of breath there. As well as through senior roles at the NASDAQ and FINRA, and I could go on. Now listen carefully. Hello everyone, and today I have with me Manny Alejandro. Now he's a former candidate for New York State Attorney General um, and a and New York public advocate. He's also got in-depth knowledge on legal and regulatory compliance issues pertaining to equities, derivatives, options and futures markets, expertise in regulation technology with ability to advise on founding and structuring of new entities from fintech startups to hedge funds and to electronic marketplaces. Now, Manny's a frequent industry speaker, a panellist, a webcaster and published author. Manny, how do you keep up with all that? <laughs> 
I don't sleep. <laughs> you don't sleep. It sounds like it. Maybe sleep three is or four optional. hours a night. Really? Okay. <laughs> Good to have you with us on the show. Thank you. Thank you. I hope you don't mind me asking you this one. Where would you put your money right now? Is it time to be investing in stocks, do you think? And also, are many more Americans betting on the market at the moment? And does this concern you? That's a great question. So uh, I, I think it, it, it is, it is uh, and again, this is an investment advice, but I think it is a good time to get into the market right now in selective stocks or in um, in indexes. So I, I'm, I'm a big fan of the QQQQ, the uh, four Qs, which is the NASDAQ index, which has done phenomenally well. NASDAQ, believe it or not, is at an all-time high as of Friday. The Nasdaq um, composite was at an all-time high considering everything we've gone through with the coronavirus. So it's an incredible rebound. But I think there's stocks within Nasdaq that I think are uh, doing very well. Clearly Amazon, but Amazon is an expensive stock. Um, I, I've always been a big fan of, the, of Facebook. I think Facebook's a great company. And, and Facebook was, was down a lot a, a couple of months ago. And now Facebook's all-time highs as well so it, it's, it's pretty interesting if you look at a lot of companies that have continued to prove themselves through the coronavirus zoom tremendous company as well nobody really heard of zoom i've used zoom for many years um but a lot of people haven't heard of zoom before the coronavirus and now a lot of schools use zoom i mean it it's it's become a must for uh any kind of virtual interaction and a lot of business meetings um or old use uh, companies use zoom so i think there are certain companies that are doing well that have been able to pivot and, and and succeed through a through a crisis or really any crisis i think but also think if you get into the market and you purchase a you know an index so if you buy the dow a, a dow fund the diamonds or you buy some kind of um um you know some kind of index i i think you, you could do okay mm. but do you think that there's a lot of companies say that obviously as you mentioned companies like zoom that have got a huge advantage at the moment, but then other companies potentially are just riding on the back of the wave at the moment, and then they'll, it'll be a lot of hot air. Absolutely, I mean that's that's why you know if you, the indexes are going up. If you if you if you you know ride the index and ride ride the wave of the index, you'll be okay. Obviously, there's some companies within those indexes that are pushing it down, but there are a lot of companies that are not going to get through. I don't know how cruise cruise line the cruise line industry gets through. I don't know how successfully the airline industry will, will get through. I don't know about hotels and hospitality or tourism. I mean anything to do with people interacting with each other closely maybe six months nine months a year absolutely they'll be fine there'll be a vaccine hopefully but but a, a week a month six weeks um i i don't know how well disney does i mean i know disney is going to reopen but i don't know how disney will will do in terms of even though places will open so i kind of look at it two ways one reopen Right, you need to reopen. Fine, reopen, but will people show up? Is the demand there? And I think there's a there's an assumption, and it might be a false one, that there's this tremendous demand. I'm not sure if the demand exists right now, because, yeah. still because of the fear and apprehension of coronavirus. Yeah, you'd have to think that if you take whatever the numbers were that were coming through Disney as an example, and that's an interesting stock to follow, that if you'd have to think that numbers would be down at least fifty percent. So you wonder what are the numbers that they need to actually break even. Yeah, it's 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 tough. I mean, diversified because they own they own ABC and ESPN, and now they have the streaming. So mm. very diversified earnings. But but you know, Disney World and Disneyland, where you know it's old fashioned 
ticket purchasing and buying meals and staying within the resorts. I mean, that is and, and people buying different types of memorabilia and, you know, the mouse hat and all that. I mean, that's very based up, very much based upon people showing up. Yeah. And if people don't show up, then there's not much they could do. And, and, and there's only so much disinfecting they can do. If people are still uh, uncomfortable interacting with people and me taking a ride after someone else has been on the ride, there's not much Disney could do to overcome that. I don't think there's anything it's similar to a gym. I mean, using equipment that other people have used, it's the same type of problem, unfortunately. Mm. And you'd have to think too that, like you say, it could take six, could take 12 months. The market's already factoring in the recovery now and there's still a lot of uncertainty in the coming quarter. But I just wonder, you know, like here, um, people are being very cautious, but then again, we're seeing a lot of people starting to come out to the supermarkets more now than what they were before. But numbers are still down a lot. So, you know, I just don't see it recovering anytime soon. I'm seeing a lot of companies potentially riding the wave with what's happening um, with the rest of the market thinking that there's going to be this V-shaped recovery. So uh, it's going to be interesting the next couple of months to see what happens when the market pulls back because it's fine while the market's rising. And while people are at home, we're seeing this shift into the market of a lot of people. It's like when you're at a market top, you see every man and his dogs buying stocks. And this is what we're seeing right now. A lot of people who never um, you know, put money into the market before are doing it and they're trading really short term and literally betting on the market and taking risks without any knowledge in the market. So, you know, while people might be encouraged in the US, and I don't know what it's like in the US, whether people are more encouraged to do get into indexes or whether it's stocks, but, you know, if they, even if they get into indexes, there's no time to be complacent about putting money in the market and then not having an exit strategy. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it, this is very speculative. I would not, again, this is not investment advice, but I would not recommend the faint of heart, you know, if people, you know, don't, don't, take money that you otherwise need to live off of and and you have in your savings i mean this is right now if if you can get into the market if you have money to go in the market there are selected pockets to benefit mm -hmm. from this 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 you know tremendous uh moonshot if you will but it's it, i agree it will be short term so you need to kind of go into the market saying okay if i buy you know if i go in at a certain price if i go in at x i'm happy at x plus two because if you you'll miss that opportunity to, to, to take your profits off the table, but with that being said, I, I'm I'm also you know of the opinion that the world sees what's happening as the glass half full, and the market sees what's happening. I'm sorry, the world sees it as half empty, and the more and the more and the, the stock market sees it as half full, right? So that that's where I think that the, the breakdown comes in in terms of what the what the perspective is at a stock market. The stock market is is like okay, uh, unemployment is sixteen uh, percent. We thought. It was going to be 20 where in reality everybody's going oh my god the stock market is not being reflective of the fact that unemployment is 20 percent or could be 20 percent so it's it's a bit it, you know we're looking at the same problem we're looking at it different ways the stock market saying it could be much worse we should be happy that's not worse and people on the ground are saying oh my god i can't believe how bad it is and that's where i think we have this disconnect yeah, look, I agree with you and thank you very much for your feedback and your comments on all of that. I'm looking forward to chatting with you again next time. I've got a lot of other questions for you, but obviously we don't have time for any more today. So thank you very much and you take care of yourself. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. Thanks very much, Manny. Bye. It was great to have Manny share what he sees is hot and what's not. In the US, technology-related stocks have been hot and anything that involves people coming together on mass is not. Disneyland was a good example. 
And what's interesting is our market is not tech heavy like the US, but our market's still moving closely with the US market, which we'll talk about soon. Many mentioned getting exposure to the broader markets and stocks that have been moving. But remember, though the market has been running strongly off the low now for a few months, we need to apply some caution because people can get caught out when the music stops playing, which eventually it does. That's just the markets for you, which is why you need proper rules to manage how you do this. Just remember that the most important thing you will ever learn in the stock market is about having a plan, knowing how you will protect what you have. That's critical. While the market may run for a time while the Fed is committed to its current bond buying, ETFs, and now moving into also purchasing individual company debt is what the Fed is doing. And we need to keep an ear to the ground to any changes that they make. The Fed's increasing liquidity in markets and effectively pumping the US market higher. So there are many calling for a bubble or that it is a bubble. Even the slightest talk of a change in the Fed's position or if financial institutions come under increased stress, even stocks that have been strong, like some of the tech stocks, will be sold off because of fear. It's a fine balance in the markets between greed and fear and it can change really quickly. So I want to show you how the markets are moving together more recently to start with. Yep. All right. Now on the screen, you'll see there I've got the chart of the All Ordinaries Index. Now we can see how it's recovered part of the way. I want to now show you what's called a spaghetti chart. So this, this chart here, you can see the Australian market is in black and the US market is in green. So the US market is actually recovered more than what the Australian market has recovered as part of this loss. So this is the black, that's the Australian market and the green, the final line is the US market. Now we can see that the overall shape of how these markets have been tracking has been pretty similar over recent times, which is interesting, especially when you have a look at what's happening in terms of the, the range that the Australian market has traded in with COVID hitting the market and then the recovery, and also the range that the US market has traded in in the recovery. So the Australian market fell 39% when COVID hit and has recovered around 42% of that. It's down a little bit from there from recent highs, but that's where it got to more recently with the high of 6,314.6 points. Now, by comparison, if we go and have a look at the S&P 500, we can see that this market's actually done very similar. So we're still tracking reasonably closely with the US market. So the US market fell around 35% while it's recovered slightly more so it fell less and it's recovered slightly more. So at 47.45%. But the overall shape and the way the market's unfolded, even the pauses in the market are similar. And this is what's happening right now. It's almost like the institutions are just following what's going on in the US and the US market is following what the Fed are doing. So this is something I wanted you to think about and be cautious about as you're looking at markets and thinking about investing. So the next thing to consider now is to have a look at a much broader history on the market to understand how our market moves with the US at times. And then we are decoupled from the market. And you can get a copy of this chart also. It's in Dale's book. Um, it's in Accelerate Your Wealth. It's Your Money, Your Choice. So make sure you grab that book and understand what this is all about. 
Um, the, the, the Dale's book is available on our website. You can also get How to Beat the Managed Funds by 20%. It's actually free on the homepage of the website. So I'd suggest that you just get both delivered because the first book is a lead up into the pre-GFC. So it runs until the 2007 peak and the Accelerate Your Wealth book runs from then until closer to the present. So really good to see how it all unfolds right through. Um, now, looking at the, the, the chart on the screen there, it's important um, for you to, to understand what's happening in a broader sense rather than just looking at the short term, which is what so much focus is on in the markets. The research shown in the image was actually done by Fidelity. And as I said, it's in Dale's book, the second book. And it demonstrates how total returns, this is including dividends being reinvested and, in, and it takes into consideration inflation for both uh, markets from 1900 to 2017. And it shows how the total returns for Australian investors and American investors were actually the same. So I'd suggest don't concern yourself with the fine print at the moment, just focus on the big picture perspective. Uh, the analysis also demonstrates that there's this relationship where Australia has a rolling five-year returns that are better than the US and then the US rolling five-year returns are better than the Australian market. And you can see that in red at the bottom where the, the US market um, you know, flies ahead of the Australian market. It's actually a, a different way of representing the top chart. But what the top chart is showing you, it's actually a log scale showing $100 invested from 2019 to, uh, from sorry, 1900 to the present and the present being when this chart was created, I think it um, finishes in 2015. But it actually shows the value of that money invested in the US market and also the same thing, $100 invested in the Australian market and how that would track. And you can see at times how the, the value of that money leaps ahead with the Australian market for a period and then falls behind and the US market catches up. And over recent years, probably the last, I don't know, three decades, four decades, it's actually been closer still through this period from the um, 1960s um, onwards. It's actually tracked much more closely, but this is a log scale. So the one thing you have to bear in mind it's compressed. So as the numbers get higher on the left-hand side of the chart, it's actually been compressed. Otherwise, you couldn't see it all on one page. But what you can see there is that just specific periods are interesting. So it's interesting to see how the um, Australian market actually fell less, for example, in the 1920s than, than the US market. But the US market actually pushed on um, and, and took, took off quite well, but it was quite volatile through this period trading sideways and so did the the Australian market traded sideways but it actually um, was well ahead of the US market in the big picture sense from a dollar value point of view considering that hundred dollars invested. So I just wanted to bring to your attention that people are always thinking that you have to invest in the US market and have been attracted to that but that's not the case because it proves over time that whether you invest in the US market or the Australian market that um, it's, it's more or less the same once you take into consideration dividends and inflation. And in the US market, there are more uh, bigger corporate actions often that investors take advantage of. They don't have the same dividend op opportunities that you have here and you've got franking credits, which are a tax benefit coming back to you. Um, so that's important and that adds to the return, the total return as well. So when we're looking at the, the charts, we can see there that 
that's the case. What we're seeing is that the two markets have come together over time, that the US market did eventually take off and push ahead of the Australian market. So it's probably getting close to time, I think, that the Australian market will actually um, start to move ahead of the US market. Analysis indicates that the Australian market will take the lead over the coming years, and I believe that our exports are going to help drive the Australian market back up. So I suggest you watch this space, keep an eye on that. And also the tech stocks, are we going to see another tech wreck? That's going to be the interesting thing to see and to watch the Fed and what they decide to do with pumping up the economy and the markets. Now it's time to get into some more emails, but before we do, remember to hit that subscribe button now. Whilst you're there, also give me a big thumbs up and click on the like button. For those of you who have been watching the show for a while, looking for that moment to do this, you know that Dale and I often have a big banter on the show and many of you tell us that you enjoy watching. Well, please give him something to talk about and help boost the numbers tonight because he's not on the show. We have a great question coming up for you. Um, this question is from Craig. Uh, he says, good evening, Janine. I do enjoy your show and watch the video for the 22nd of June 2020. I have a question. Not sure if you can answer this for me. I have around 292000 in super and it's currently sitting in cash at the moment in my super fund. I'm too scared to move it into growth area due to volatility in the market as I'm drawing on it partially and I'm transitioning to retirement. Should I at least be moving 50% of this into high growth at this point in time to get some return or as I'm drawing on the fund, leave it in cash not to erode my funds, regards Craig. That's a big question and it, I'm, I don't provide personal financial advice for a start. So this is more general in nature. And I, I just want to stress to you that the challenging things for people is when they've got money in super and they don't know what to do with it and they've got control of it. And I, I'd, I had a call from someone today who actually said he was looking to take control of the family's fortune eventually and anyone who's going to be taking on an important role whether it's to look after superannuation or to look after the family's fortune um, it depends on how important that is to you determines what you do and I'd suggest that if you're asking me the question about whether you should invest it's because one you probably don't know where to invest the funds and you don't know what to look for so I the first thing you can do is if you haven't already read Dale's book, get a copy of Dale's book. If you've read that, then it's about thinking, well, how important is it for me to get growth out of my investment in super? And if it is important, then it's really about time that you took the opportunity if, um, if you have the time to do this. And I think that most people, if they say they haven't got the time, depending on your situation, of course, it's probably an excuse. So I would suggest that you take the time to determine the sort of course that would be suitable for you to help you to make those decisions to put that money into the market in a, in a safe way. Because at the end of the day, you can take a level of risk that you think is appropriate for you. I tend not to get into those debates about what percentage of people's money, depending on their age, should they invest in the market? Because we have clients for all ages, right up to 80 years of age, who are learning to trade the market and invest safely. And so I, I don't think that they're the financial industry have a formula and I, I think that that's actually a bit old and misplaced and I think that people need, if you've got the knowledge and you can invest safely, then why wouldn't you do that? Um, thanks, Craig, for your email. Really appreciate that. 
The next email is from Jarno, who says, Hi Janine and Dale, thank you for putting together a great informative show. I subscribe to your channel. I also bought the book and I'm currently enjoying the read. My question is about stocks that show big gaps up and down on their charts and you frequently refer to such gaps when reviewing a stock and how they often tend to get filled. It's really, you're right, it's so interesting looking at this. And I'm hoping that you can share your wisdom around the movement of a stock away from such gaps over time. Take for instance BHP which is showing big gaps from the 15th to the 19th of May, smaller gaps from 12th of June um, 2nd of June to 12th of June and it's just a matter of time before those bigger gaps get filled or has the stock moved away f- far enough to reduce the chance of those gaps getting filled in the near term, maybe 6 to 12 months. Thanks again for the great show, Jano. Now Jano, I'm just going to bring up the chart for you here of BHP. Now what you can see there, you actually sent in a little chart as well, so thank you for that. When you were looking at um, what's happened on the 15th. Right, so if I go back and we have a look on the daily chart, we can see these gaps here. Now gaps form all the time on stocks, particularly daily charts and particularly for more volatile stocks. BHP is a good mover. It's a good trending stock, good trading stock. It actually trades on more than one market and this is often what occurs on the overnight trade. You'll see gaps on stocks. Now You have to look at the history of a stock to know whether it always fills gaps. And I'm not going to suggest that BHP um, doesn't always fill gaps. In a lot of cases, it will fill the gaps. But, um, you know, I can't say 100% of the cases that it will fill gaps. Although what you can look for is what's happening on each of the um, daily bars to see whether the stock's about to push lower. If it takes out this low here, Monday the 22nd of June, which you were referring to before in the pullback that came back to fill this small gap here, then we could see it trade lower into this range. So it's about firstly seeing the gap and thinking, okay, there's a gap there, there's a probability that the stock's going to come back into that gap. And secondly, watching for the signals that it gives to confirm as it starts to come back. So, for example, this bar here on the 15th of June where it started to close lower indicated that the probability was high that it's heading back into this direction here. So if we see the stock continue lower, as I said, we could see BHP trade down. Now, BHP is a great stock. It's got a big gap on the weekly chart down down lower. It's also got a gap up here higher. So the question right now is whether it's actually, I think what you should be asking is whether it's actually going to trade up first or come back. And I wouldn't suggest you follow the daily charts too much. It's more about looking at the weekly chart and understanding the bigger picture as well. And the first chart that we generally look at is the monthly chart. So on the left-hand side of the screen, you can see that there. Good to see whether the big picture and and whether BHP has the potential to move higher. And I think it does, although in the short term, we could see BHP come back to around this $32 mark um, after it's actually gone up to fill the gap here. So look, it's it's 50-50 at this point whether BHP is going to go higher or lower. There's no recipe for this. However, I do think that BHP is more likely to move up and and fill the, the gap up to higher. Um, An indication of this occurring will be when it trades above the high of 36.60. So once you see a strong move above 36.60, then it's more likely to be going higher. And then you just have to watch for that decline to to the gaps that you were talking about because it could trade um, much lower down to that $31, $32 mark. So that's a review of BHP. Um, I've got the next email that we have is from Neil. 
Hi Janine, great to see that you're running the weekly reports and live shows with ease. Thanks very much, Neil. With the end of June and the end of the financial year approaching, it's worth considering that institutions will be attempting to get whatever gains they can so they can achieve a good ranking among investment funds. I love the fact that someone else is out there thinking like me. I think that's what happens and then um, the market tends to get sold down into the quarter, but they push it up as much as they can. Uh, and that's where you'll see all sorts of stories coming out about some good news, potentially good news, or that um, someone's buying into a particular area. Brokers will be recommending particular stocks, pushing it higher. So um, institutions typically reshuffle their portfolios in July. So we could see a bit of a change there. And we've got US reporting season also. Um, so then the two come together. So you're talking about um, the gains that you can get um, to achieve a good rank ranking among investment funds. And I would say that that is likely to be the case this year as it has in most years. It really does feel like the low, he says, that was overdue is going to be rushed as seen in the last three to four days. Potentially a good example of a big money, of the big money pushing the market around, trying to spook first time investors. You're right there. Keep up the good work. If you'd like a stock to look at, I like the look of TWE as it comes off the bottom, Neil. So what Neil, first of all, what Neil's talking about on the market is um, this push down that we saw for a few days and then the market rebounded back up again. Uh, they were trying to spook investors out of the market. But look, often it's profit takers as well, short-term profit takers taking some money off the table and then the market rebounded. But look at how it's trading at the moment. The market is waiting for something. We've seen this sideways action over five days, consecutive days. Now, look, in all probability, I'd like to see the market push back up and take out this high first before it trades lower. But a move below this June low uh, would signal prices heading back down towards 5,300 to 5,400 points. So let's move on from looking at the market and look at TWE, Treasury Wine Estates, for you there, Neil. Looking at this stock, it's been very volatile over time. We've seen a big pullback on the market. This is often a stock that people follow and want us to talk about. 60% decline over time. It was falling long before COVID. Has been trading sideways the last couple of months. Now, when a st stock gets locked in these sideways moves, it's really important to see a breakout one way or the other. Now, if you're not trading it, you don't really care which way it breaks out. And often it's better for the stock that's in this indecision like this to actually break lower. It's called a flush out, that's my technical term, of the, of the um, investors who are, if anyone was going to sell, then they'll do that in the next flush out and it'll probably be right near the, where the stock then turns. So if it does take out this low of $8.40 that occurred in March, then... Um, it'll be an opportunity to draw some really good trend lines on the stock there um, coming down from these highs. So looking at the, the stock right now, if it's got to trade back above this peak here in June, if it can get above that high there, I'll just expand it up for you. So if we can see the, the stock move above this high of 11.69, it's more likely to move back up. And there is a gap there on the weekly. So that means that there is a potential for it to move up. But don't ever assume that the stock's going to move up first just because there's a gap there to be filled. It can always trade lower first. So at the moment, sideways, you've got to watch for the signals either way. Okay, now the next question I have is, um, it's a good one actually. Um, it's from 
Sandra, and I really like your question, Sandra, and well done. It's good to see another lady out there. I'm a beginner investor who's trying to invest for the last two years with mixed results, and I recently started watching your show and love it. Loved it. Purchased Dale's book, and I'm now getting a bit obsessed. I can understand that. Um, I hope you're not as bad as me there. When I started, I recently sold all of my portfolio because it was very volatile, and I think there will be a W-shaped recovery. Now, my question is, would you be investing short for the short time now or what are your thoughts about the market future thank you very much sandra um, sandra look I, I think when you're thinking about the big picture i think it's good um, it's really right now the market is in flux so if anyone's investing i would suggest that this is a time for a more shorter term perspective on where the market is likely to go because we could see the market pull back. If the big mining companies do have that pullback that I was talking about before on BHP, and Rio's the same, Rio's got a big gap as well, then we could see the market soften off. So banks have been moving up recently, but eventually they're going to pull back and they'll get to prices that, um, that people are not willing to pay anymore for in this current market. So if we see those two happen together, then of course, you know, the short-term view will be justified. If um, if the market then settles down and starts to move back up again, then it'll be an opportunity for a more medium term view on the market. So that's really my current stance at the moment. So it's more about the short term right now. Thanks very much for a really good question to, um, for you, Sandra. The final question that I've got tonight, and can we have a drum roll there? No, we haven't quite got our sound effects happening just yet. Um, and I'm not going to do one because I'm not really that musical. The final question for the night is from Cavi. Sorry we missed your question last week. If you don't get your question answered, just make sure that you send it back and say, look, you didn't get to my question. Would you please answer this one? We'll do our best there. Cavi says, hi, Dale and Janine. Hope you are both, both doing well as a young investor with not a lot of money to put into the stock market. Should I focus on buying cheap or penny stocks and aim to make a capital gain out of it? I've been doing this as I don't have a large amount of money in any one particular stock that would give me high dividend returns. Best regards, Cavi. Look, this is all about thinking about the, the risk, really, first of all, Cavi, that you're taking because more um, volatile stocks, lower liquidity in, the, in these particular penny dreadfuls, as we call them, are um, they're higher risk. And the challenge is for young people thinking about getting into the market is they look at it and think, well, okay, I haven't got much money, therefore I should buy stocks that are lower in dollar value, which is actually totally um, a myth in the market. So it's if you read Dale's first book, How to Beat the Managed Funds by 20%, you're going to learn a lot about um, what not to do and then what you should do to help you to get better returns. So if you're looking for dividend returns, I'd just question why at this point, given you're young, it's probably um, more about capital growth. But if you want dividend returns, little stocks can sometimes pay good dividend returns to try and bring investors in to the shares. And I would suggest that you'd be really wary of any stocks that are paying well above 6% in the dividend returns and just have a look at the stock price because often um, stocks can be falling while they're offering this, but at some point those companies are going to have to turn around if the share price keeps falling and and cut the dividend back. So be mindful of that. We did see a lot of cuts in dividends lately, but so you can trade the big stocks and they can make moves just the same as the little stocks. You can have 10, 20% moves in the small stocks, maybe not 
in a shorter time frame. But just remember that those small stocks can actually come down a lot faster um, than the large stocks can move back in price. And that's the real problem with investing in those types of stocks and then not having good rules and the training to actually support you because you're actually trading at the higher risk end of the market by picking those little penny stocks where the liquidity is so much lower. So I would say to you, Caveat, if you can learn, you're a young investor, if you can start learning how to do it right now, gee, the mind boggles you'll be doing well when you're in your 30s and 40s. Um, a lot of people don't start looking at the market until somewhere between the age of 30 and 60. And the challenge with that is that then you've got um, the time's not on your side the closer you're heading to retirement. But in saying that, you know, if you really want to get ahead, anyone, doesn't matter what age you are, it can take two to five years to be really proficient in the market because you need to get experience um, after you get the training, you need to get the experience, build the skills in applying the application and the knowledge and then getting the time in the market to actually test yourself because it's not just about learning the rules, it's about testing you in the market as well. So Cavi and other people who are young or new in the market, I wish you all the best with your endeavours there. So good that you've actually started investing on well done for getting in. Um, it's now the end of tonight's show and I hope that you've enjoyed it and thank you for participating. If you have a topic that you would like us to discuss, send in your ideas and we'll look at your requests for our upcoming shows. If you would like to see the show continue to grow, then remember, share it on your social media with your friends and colleagues. Now also remember to make sure that you put this show into your calendar as we'll, look, we'll be back right here on the YouTube live channel every Tuesday from 7 to 8 p.m. As always, we're happy to receive your questions, so send them to info at wealthwithin.com.au and just type in Wealth Within Live in the subject line. Well, that brings us to the end of the show. And again, we really hope you've enjoyed as much as we have. And as always, thank you for joining us. We hope to see you again next week. For now, goodbye, good luck and good trading. Thanks for listening. This podcast is brought to you by Wealth Within, a global leader in stock market education. For more information on our courses or to listen to more Talking Wealth podcasts, head over to wealthwithin.com.au and click on the Talking Wealth podcast under the Learning Centre.